Hey, I'm Darcy, and you're listening to Outside a Thread. It's been a little while since my last episode, and this is one that I recorded in late 2022. In it, I spoke with Claddy, who's a local musician, DJ, and events organiser. We spoke about creativity, community, social responsibility, and what it's like to work as a full-time artist. Outside a Thread is recorded on the unceded territory of the Wurundjeri people of the Eastern Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land where I broadcast from. I'd like to recognise their ongoing legacy and connection to land, waters and culture, and pay respect to their elders, both past and present. I extend this respect to all other First Nations people of this continent, whose stolen land, our infrastructure and digital connectivity is built upon. Hi, Claddy. How are you? Hey, I'm really good. Pretty tired um, as the season changes into more sunlight, less night. But yeah, ultimately good. How are you, Darcy? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm also feeling very peaceful, freshly returned from the country and straight back on the mic. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, where are all these people with holiday houses? Can we um, hang out? (laughs) I know, literally. I'm always like, got the list, like get the phone in the summer. I'm like, people will take me out there. Because everyone books out all the Airbnbs. I'm like, we need the secret plug. Oh, I will take you somewhere. I don't have a holiday house, but I do have a secret plug. (laughs) We'll do a call out. (laughs) Yeah, sick. Um, Cool. So, yeah, thank you again for joining me today. I guess I just wanted to start um, introducing you. I guess the first time I met you was when I glimpsed you in the music room. I don't think you actually saw me. Yeah. Well, you weren't DJing, but you came in to visit someone um, and you were just dressed so beautifully. (laughs) Like, I was like, who is this person? I love this. Swag. wearing yeah i don't know i feel like it was something furry and you were wearing the sunglasses indoors and i was like oh my god yeah it was in the era when music room was slowly starting to be overtaken by the basics and it was yeah. like i was like okay this is oh my good. god bless like, yeah. great memory yeah but since meeting you i've seen you pretty much everywhere like you're always doing something whether it's performing <laughs> jazz or djing or organizing events but do you maybe want to tell me a bit in your own words about what you do yeah, absolutely. Um, love that and seeing me everywhere. Like I love, <laughs> I love supporting as much as I am working out as well. I think that's a really important part of being a part of community. Um, but basically I do a bunch of different things. I'd say the way I describe it is I do everything to do with music pretty much. So first and foremost, I am a jazz singer, um, jazz soul contemporary singer. Um, yeah, right. Music from jazz, R&B, like hip hop, um, funk disco house techno music that kind of vibe and i also dj um i also run and host events um currently signal nightfall and um another one i do for black history month called black and um as well as whoever invites me to run things at different venues from ferdy dirk to toff in town and lastly I am just about to start a booking agency, but currently I am also um, booking for Colette and managing her as well. So, ah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the overall um, kind of thing that I do. Yeah. So you're keeping busy and you are, you could probably teach me a little bit about recording as well, because I know you do a radio (laughs) show also. Oh, yes. Good pickup. Thank you. I also did start um, my show Just Escape on Skylab Radio 
for um, actually 2020. I started it in August and I'm really thankful for um, being invited to start a show um, during isolation, essentially, because it really did keep me engaged, um, you know, in what I love, which, you know, is music, um, but also continuing on to support other artists and finding music and really engaging the community and making sure that we know that we're all held and, and supported, especially here in Nam. Um, you know, I think it was, yeah, it was really beautiful thing to start. And I, I never saw myself doing radio and I know you were like, Claudia, your voice is gorgeous. Like, you, do have it. you do have <laughs> such a gorgeous radio voice. Thank yeah. you. And so, yeah, I think for me, I was like that show specifically on Skylab. Um, I wanted to do something that wasn't club music because at the time it was only club music and I love club music. I play in the clubs, but like it was gorgeous to have that kind of different perspective where for me, it's like just escape. And even from the name, it's like, you know, what's uplifting and having like gorgy conversations about astrology, life and checking in and just every second I'm pretty much being like, stay hydrated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a nice radio show to listen to. I feel like it's Thank definitely you. a moment of repose compared to the stuff I normally hear. I, the one that I have listened to was like, I was also ex massive stoner, but I was listening to your 420 yeah. mix and it was so Bless. relaxing, beautiful. And oh, yeah. Should, should I say jobless? Yeah. Yeah. Jobless. <laughs> yeah. Oh I know. Yeah. I'm in a period of sobriety, just trying to keep it going with my right, own well being. Sure. But yeah. Um, I think something that is really interesting about you is that you're so creatively and musically connected. Um, and for you, I feel like as a DJ, you seem to carry a lot of weight in it and there's a significance in what you're doing. I wanted to ask me what, what does being a selector mean for you and how do you use that as a creative conduit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great question. Um, honestly, I'm such a moody cancer. Um, I honestly, for me selecting first and foremost, I'm making sure like I generally don't even have to think about this to the forefront anymore, but to, to be transparent, it's like, I mostly play like black artists. Mm -hmm. Firstly, always make sure I'm like supporting queer artists as well. But like selecting for me is making sure like it's, it's emulating an energy, but it's also a synergy from the audience as well. So I think it's ultimately like, you know, it's like we're connecting. So it's, you're literally a selector for bringing a vibe and an energy and so like, I know there's so many things that I could say right now, but ultimately I'm like, I think that it's about reading the room and asking yourself what kind of energy that you want to, um, yeah, be projecting. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I generally want everyone to be having a great time. Also sometimes challenging people where, you know, I'm, though I love a banger, like as much as the next person, I think it's about challenging people and bringing in new music where, they will, you know, you that they will enjoy it, but at first they'll be like, question a bit, and that makes them kind of think about it and then learn something as well. So yeah, I think there's so many elements. Mm, yeah. I think that's really interesting because you're talking about both, I guess, like an emotional reading of the audience as well as trying to push something out as well Absolutely. and using it as a medium to, yeah, push yeah. something out, which is a really interesting concept. Yeah, definitely. I just think honestly, um, keeping everyone engaged, but yeah, also making sure that we are kind of challenging the audience a bit and not just keeping it safe and of course this will change venue to venue we have to be aware of what that venue also kind of wants if it's not specifically for a festival or a club event where you can kind of even that actually 
there can still be some terms where they're like, this is the kind of energy, but of course do you. But, you know, for specific venues, they might be like, this is the kind of vibe we want. But even in those moments, I'll probably still be like, I might just play this and see how it goes. Yeah, take <laughs> Test a bit the of waters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. And so for you, as someone who is obviously now working in music and working in all its forms, it's mm-hmm. obviously a big point of passion for you. Can you tell me a bit about, I guess, your upbringing and how you got interested in it and how mm. it's come to become such a defining part of you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so basically with music um I started as a singer I basically as soon as I could talk um I was singing around the house um mum would make me perform (laughs) for her (laughs) friends at the dinner table from like three jellyfish like you know (laughs) those kinds of songs um my auntie was a jazz singer um Tubby Justice um she's incredible from um she was um mostly in Adelaide but yeah she's definitely been a huge inspiration in terms of like um knowing that it is possible as well and I remember once asking her I'm like can I cover your song and she's like darling just write your own and I'd already started writing poetry and things but I'd never really thought about you know this is a young teen um about really writing my music and then I was like oh I can just transform my poetry into the lyrics as well as um that it was the club scene for me. So I basically was a host slash promoter from when I was like underage, <laughs> the scratchies. You can't have scratchies anymore. I don't know how all the underage kids do it, but you know, what I was is going a scratchy? out. Oh my God. So basically before they had the holograms on a, um, on your driver's license, there were professionals who would do like basically scratch over the plastic where it literally looked legit. And if you got it done from a shit person, then the security would just rub it off and be like, mm. nah, break your ID in half. But we had legit professionals do some scratchies back in the day. So <laughs> yeah, I had my scratchy, but I also had, um, knew some, um, it was my dad's um, colleagues. He was a security guard for a point in time and he would never let me in. Don't get me wrong. My dad would never let me in, but the colleagues would. So me at like 16, um, maybe 15, 16 with like push up bra, like heels on rocking up to the front with my like other like femme friends and would just, you know, have the best time clubbing. And back when this was back when all the clubs were like hot South side, like everyone mm. would come travel South side. So yeah, I, I'd basically get paid for the most part. I'd have a list and then people would use my list and I'd get promoter rates. And then I got like upgraded in a few places where I'd literally just have to rock up and get paid, you know, like, like it could be like a couple hundred dollars. Like this is like pre Instagram, obviously, but like rock up, bring a vibe, get free drinks. And that's what, you know, the venue owners want. They want, <laughs> they wanted my energy. So yeah, I'm like, cool, yeah. I can do this. And yeah, it was definitely um, an incredible incredible time because yeah i was everywhere from cuba to blackbird to one like the end of one love into super disco at prince um then there was sorry grandma which was like an iconic venue back in the day um with our own little private cheeky green room situation (laughs) in the club um yeah so it's been a massive journey and that's definitely how i kind of started in music in general yeah Yeah, and now you're creating the vibe behind the decks exactly. and on the stage yeah kind of everywhere and and yeah i think most importantly i'm um, curating more of the events and making sure that yeah 
the lineups have a have a standard of diversity and things so yeah yeah definitely I think that's something that I really admire about you particularly I feel like your Instagram presence is so strong like you're in the sense that you always call it out and say things how it is and for me I'm someone who has definitely needs to get better at using Instagram as a platform to like call stuff out because it's like this I don't know it's almost like this privilege thing of being like I feel like I will look weird if I do it. And then mm-hmm. also, but it's just like, you need to use the platform as a medium to Absolutely. do it. Yeah. Well, look, I think there's so many complicated layers here, but ultimately it's it's about finding your own voice. Yeah. First and foremost. And then when you're comfortable in that, then I think that you're just comfortable emulating and speaking your own truth, which takes time. Um, you know, there's, there's no rush, but it's definitely, I could say, I definitely would say it's harder for me as a black femme to, to do this. Um, whereas like, yeah, easier for definitely like yeah yeah but you know i also um acknowledge now um you know i've i when i was younger calling things out and i've definitely um lost a lot of work and things so this is something i'm mindful of where now i'm in a more privileged position where i am booked and busy um and it is now i think uh, again like i think that i'm more like privileged to call things out where I'm at now socially, even though I wouldn't, it wouldn't stop me when I was younger. Does that make yeah, sense? So like, yeah. it still does affect my work where, you know, maybe I don't want to play somewhere because of something or vice versa. They've heard me call things out and instead of being accountable, they'll just get rid of me as the problem rather than the system. Yeah. The systemic problem. But yeah, like I appreciate that. And yeah, I hope, I hope you find your voice soon as well. Yeah, it I feels think it's really empowering. Yeah, no, yeah. it's no, I'm very lucky to have someone like you and also anyone else who will speak out because yeah, it's encouraging a bigger standard. Like for me, even just in the past year, yeah, mm-hmm. just like learning, learning to post more and finding that social consciousness, especially because yeah. I don't know, I'm someone who studied international security and is like so politically driven, so aware mm-hmm. of what's happening, but the detachment is so real. So it's Absolutely. like, yeah, interacting with those issues more meaningfully for me yeah. has been interesting, but Definitely. yeah. So did you grow up in Nam? Is that where you... Yeah, so um, I was born here, um, yes, in Nam. Um, and basically my dad was born in Jamaica and then migrated from Jamaica to the UK and then from the UK to here. Um, he's not here currently, but yeah, that's kind of his journey. Um, unfortunately, I haven't had any of my Jamaican family, like besides my dad in Australia. Ah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I took it um, to myself to save up and go to Jamaica. Oh, and I lived in the UK and actually studied um, jazz contemporary performance in the UK as well in London. Um, so I'm grateful that I took it to myself to, you know, really like meet my other side of my family. And my mum's side is essentially Spanish and Irish background. And yeah, my mum was born here. Um, yeah, with like, I think six siblings, pretty poor, like Carlton when it was not the Carlton that it is now, like (laughs) it was, yeah, something else. So, yeah. Yeah. And with your songwriting and singing, did you, so you went to London to study it there. Did you have any further formal education when you were here? Um, so basically I started off in choirs here. Um, I was in like, from primary school and then primary school there was two choirs like one special one where like you know the vip <laughs> choir so, yeah, the, yeah the the um vip choir yes where we got to actually sing some fun songs as well r&b stuff um and 
then I studied music in VCE in high school as well. So I had my own singing teacher. Um, but up until then, I was pretty much self-taught um, with a bit of help from my auntie, of course. Um, but yeah, so like for the main part, my auntie would just like help me with scales when I was younger and then was just kind of doing my own thing. But yeah, then here it was, yeah, literally just VCE. And I think I got a few singing lessons actually outside with this place I'd never recommend called Vox, like Vox vocals or whatever. Mm. It's just like, they don't help you at all. They try to help you emulate another artist and that's not what I'm about. I want to be my own artist. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And any instruments? Yeah. So I've always learned, um, actually piano. My, um, my mom used to work at the Child Adventure, Adventure Playground actually. Um, in St. Kilda and they basically would like hire a piano teacher there and us like kids could basically learn. So I learned, um, I wouldn't say I'm the best piano teacher, but I can definitely get around to at least make music and Mm. play, um, play on stage for my like electronic stuff as well. So I learned, yeah, keys. And then when I went to London, I included, um, more jazz key so it was more about learning how to revoice chords and, and things like that um so people who don't know music i'm sure that sounds a bit confusing but essentially just learn how to play around with different chords um yeah and i then i also learned a bit of bass as well bass yeah. guitar um i'm absolutely out of practice but bass is like one of my loves and even if i'm playing even if i'm playing like bass on the on the keys or a synth i'm just like I follow the baseline when I'm singing most times. Like, yeah, it's really helpful. Yeah. Mm. And even, I guess, yeah, even just having that muscle, you have so much opportunity for development in the future. My housemate's learning bass at the moment and oh, it fun. is a struggle for, I guess, for me listening, but it's also oh, yeah. like, it's a joke. <laughs> it's just not the violin. Yeah. Yeah, look, exactly. Actually, I also used to learn violin, um, started in primary school and I was really good. And then you get to high school and I was like, oh, I'll try violin again. And I just did not practice enough. And violin is absolutely one that you have to practice. For sure. <laughs> so yeah. look, I'm grateful you don't have someone learning violin. Mercy me. Yeah. Yeah, that hurts. Cool. Mm. And so I guess for you running events, did that kind of start as an extension of your work as a promoter? Yeah, I kind of haven't related them together, but I guess it is all connected. Um, I mean, essentially definitely helped me learn how the club works Mm. um, from a different uh, perspective. But ultimately, yeah, I didn't actually ever want to or thought that I would be a booker. It kind of was that thing where, um, I mean, looking at a lot of the lineups, especially pre-2020, it was just like lacking any any color, no Mm. black folks, no pop folks barely any indigenous folks and so yeah i basically took it to myself where i'm like hey i'm sick of screaming and telling people how to do it i'm just gonna lead the way and show people how Mm. to do it you know so yeah it was like something's gonna be done and 
you know, I have, I have the connection, so let's make it happen. Yeah. And it's definitely something to be proud of. Cause I feel Thank like you. people have definitely responded and there's been, yeah, I think 2020 was almost the start, like this huge awakening. It's almost like people had the time to reflect yeah. or something on all their practice they, and also being did. held accountable. And look, honestly, yeah, with BLM, I was just like, oh, cool. Like, cause I used a lot of labor and I didn't even realize how much of my emotional labor as a black femme, like I used. And so I was just like, oh, cool. There's information everywhere you all can like actually do the work now by yourselves mm. like um you know and it's still never by yourselves but it's like you know we're, we've done the most let's like look out for ourselves now rather than like teaching other people yeah how definitely to, yeah, how to do something mm. yeah um yeah cool so i guess in the events that you've run obviously it's been really important to you to create a space that's both inclusive and representative mm. of people what do you feel like in the events that you've run some of the moments that you've been really proud or really cool moments that you've had when you've been like whoa oh okay that's a good question um i've got a few the first one being one of the first signals um, it was Miss Rick's closing and, um, she played, um, two, one, two. Oh and, yeah. You know, it's a classic iconic song and Miss Rick's is iconic as well. She's been in the community, like, you know, um, like Middle Eastern queer babe, been mm, doing it for, icon. for ages. Icon. And so the lights were on. It was the last song and everyone was just screaming the lyrics at each other. And it just felt so euphoric, like, it was just like, it was the safest space. You know, it was all like mostly like black, pop, queer folk. Mm. And like, it was just, yeah, it felt like, yeah. So, um, yeah. So euphoric, it was, the energy was so high and it was just like, whoa, like, where do we go from here? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely, um, one of them. Um, another being, um, a couple of the black events that I ran last year, um, to raise money for different places, like one being like Congo after the, um, after the, what was it? The volcano, um, that hit. And yeah, so it was just like incredible again, creating another safe space in a, in a different energy, mostly focused on black folk and like, but also still always open to everyone, but it was just, it's so nice to feel a safe space and not feel othered in the moment as well and a lot of people came up to me afterwards or during it being like well really appreciate you you know facilitating yeah, yeah exactly exactly so there's a couple of the top of my head but after i have to think if anything else comes up throughout our our session i'll be like darcy actually <laughs> yeah oh please put it in anytime yeah. yeah and i think also hearing you talk about those moments of euphoria i guess just drew, drew me to reflect as well and i feel like those moments are it's you know, yeah, you don't get it in a club like mm. I, where I'm from on the central coast. Like it is these moments where you, typically it is pock led, it's queer inclusive. It's, yeah. you, I, the last moment that I remember of just being like, whoa, and just absolutely floored is, mm. I don't know what event it was at, but I, it was Rag was doing the closing set and I ran into you on the hey. dance floor oh, and it was, yeah, it was just a moment when I was like, oh my God, this is the city that I get to live in. And it's so incredible. So yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I think also with you and talking about um, making space and creating things as inclusive Uh for me, I think in the previous year, it's been 
Or, yeah, just the previous couple of years, obviously, there's been such an outburst of these kind of events. They've been so successful because it's exactly the change that people need and the inclusivity people want to see, um, particularly with the Daddy Worldwide events as well. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah, and I think... And Umami. Yeah, Umami and, yeah, led by Stevzar, Seafrim, yourself, yeah. Miri. And those, for me, I think it's been a real big learning curve in the moment because, yeah, as a white person, I've definitely had the privilege and something I realized I had never, ever thought about before was how much space I'm taking up mm-hmm. and leaving Important. space and taking up space and Important. not just in the sense of being there. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I know, like, most of us, if we're talking about, yeah, like, Signal, um, yeah, Umami and, and Daddy, um, we're all very much like, all right, acknowledge that. Maybe, like, assess if you should be at the front if it's, like, you know, like maybe take a step back yeah yeah i'm glad that you've taken the time to assess because yeah it's definitely important especially when i think um important to acknowledge like um when there's like i guess guess specifically based on like black and poc focus where it's like okay got to look at who's buying all the tickets and it's not to say like everyone's included of course but it's if it's mostly just like white folk getting all the tickets and then it's like that event is essentially made for us black and pock queer folk it's like you know it's reassessing that as well and if someone's looking for a ticket being like oh i can either for reparations give it to you if i can afford or i'll sell it to you because you should be going on you know yeah that kind of community care as well is yeah super important yeah, yeah. i think also this new like it's just a really nuanced perspective on the club scene as well which mm-hmm. is so welcome and so important absolutely yeah yeah um, yeah, I guess I wanted to ask you as well. So obviously you're doing a really wide range of stuff that you're mm. working on. So doing that, do you make your entire living off music and how do you find yourself mm. doing that? Is it in regards to feasibility and that kind of thing? Mm, great question. Look, the arts. Make our own theme music. But um, look, <laughs> um, I do just make my money off purely music now mm-hmm. um pre-2020 i'd always done i've always done music but then i'd always done part-time hospitality as well so i'd probably do like you know three days a week or something mm. for that security um and look part of me this is the security i don't miss hospitality mm. even though i'm very hospitable <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah i guess it's a bit of a trip because it is invoice life you know we yeah. work for ourselves we're freelancers and essentially it can be a bit of a struggle where, you know, we, we, we are basically to be expected to be paid two weeks later after mm. we've, we've done something minimum. Yeah. Look, there are some people who go a month or over that. And that really sucks because that really, um, that really fucks essentially with, with That's our sense of living. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I'm grateful now um, to have the privilege and also, I mean, I've worked hard to get here as well, but to be making money purely off music, but I'm not saying it's easy still, you know, it's having the work boundaries of like, for me now, my like one day off is like definite day off is Monday, Mm. you know? And look, if there's like a cute gig, I'll occasionally take it, but that's like my day to like, I'm not responding to emails or anything like that's me day. And I think it's important to have something like that as a freelancer, but yeah, essentially, you know, for my invoices, I'll try to be like, I'll put seven days knowing that it'll be more like two weeks um, delay, but yeah, it is a trip and it really does suck that unfortunately for the most part, us artists are more affected than anything because we know that the venues are are getting money. We know that these venues like actually essentially have 
um, an accountant once a week because people in hospital, for the most part, they get paid paid weekly. Weekly, exactly. So it's like, why are we getting paid bi-weekly slash monthly? Why are you withholding our fees as artists when we are doing, like we're still doing a job and we're still working for you as a company or we're working together, not even for you, Mm. you know? So it's definitely... Yeah, it's definitely a trip. Um, definitely still trying to make sure that venues have like, you know, because there's no DJ union. So essentially trying to still <laughs> hold some venues accountable, especially when venues play like, for example, all vinyl sets and they're offering a really low fee. And it's like, that is a whole expensive, you know. Yeah, the co- the input costs. The input costs, exactly. Of, well, buying music in general, but especially when it's a record and then you're taking your expensive records out somewhere. Like, we don't have insurance for that stuff. Yeah. You know, there's... Yeah. So I think that there definitely needs to be better. Um, like, yeah, there needs to be more... Um, I don't know what the word is, but there needs to be more effort definitely put behind not only paying artists properly, but also paying artists on time. Like mm. it's such, it's, it's, it's been spoken about since the beginning of time. You yeah, know? of course. And such and a low level of accountability as totally. well for it. And so like, I don't think there's any shame having, we all have our side hustles, like whatever it is, you know? Um, but like the fact is like, there's no right or way, right or wrong way to do things. And like, you know, I think people do really put an emphasis and a star on, oh my God, you're doing it like just music. And of course it is iconic, but I don't think that we need to also like, you know, um, put, put us on a podium or like a pedestal or whatever, because it's still, you're still just as valid as an artist, even yeah. if you're doing a side hustle. And for the most part, you know, I know like uh, friends who are like architects and this and that, and that's incredible. And part-time DJ and again, like, Maybe if they wanted to pursue doing DJing full-time, they could. But also they know because they're making a salary, they also don't need to be taking up as much Mm. space as well. Whereas this is my every day-to-day. The other thing is like, I guess what annoys me is that a few venues who think that they're paying us a worthy fee um, and it's actually the minimum, the very bare minimum, Mm. they can't see the amount of work that we do behind the scenes yeah you know it's mostly admin like i'm finding new music every day i'll be on Bandcamp, like apple music whatever constantly listening and like for me i know i acknowledge it is work but i love it so much where i'm like cool i'm gonna put in the time yeah there's sometimes where i'm so exhausted i'm like it's still labor yeah Yeah. labor where i'm like oh i'm exhausted like just do this later like don't you know you've made a whole like queue of things to listen to and you're like I'm too tired to focus on this. And now I'm going to lose it. You're like, okay, just like put on a mix, chill out. And I think again, like I was speaking about implementing those um, work boundaries Mm. slash personal boundaries. Cause it's like when you're doing something that you love, it's still, like you said, it's still labor and it's acknowledging that it is still work. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's also really important, particularly in regards to what you were saying about invoices and payment, Mm -hmm. because for me as someone who's a punter and hasn't Mm -hmm. really worked behind the scenes as much, Although I understood it in an abstract concept, I had never really thought about that and the nature of that and that kind yeah. of freelance economy and the impact that it has on your wallet directly. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, my favorite thing to say is um, I'm always owed something and somebody else has my savings. So, I'm mm. like, you know, and it's that classic thing. It's like, oh, cool. We've been paid. Oh, and now we don't have any money when you pay your bills and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you're just like, it's a constant kind of 
juggle. Um, absolutely. And I think that a lot of us are still playing catch up post 2020 as well. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, unfortunately this festival I'm playing two degrees festival has now been postponed again. And this is one that was meant to happen, you know, 2021 essentially. Um, so we're all still kind of playing catch ups and we don't get paid for these gigs until we play them as well. And that we've already done our rehearsing. We've done our work. Mm. We've, we've bought our music, but now it's like the very end, unless you've got a really stunning contract, it's for the most part of, yeah, for the most part of um, most artists, they, yeah, we don't get paid till the, the event's finished or, yeah. do you know what I mean? Even with like, uh, in terms of running an event and not just being the artist, it's like, we are essentially, we've already like, before we get paid obviously from the event, we're paying the, um, we're going to pay the venue, we're going to pay the poster artist, like there are still... Like maybe if we're getting a set designer, we'll like make sure we've given them money for resources. There are things that we have to front um, before we actually even receive anything. So yeah, yeah, it's a constant journey, I and mean, I think that we all um, <laughs> we all think it's a lot cuter than it is. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess definitely both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I think something that I also really like about you is since following you, I guess I first knew you as a DJ, but you definitely have this ability to operate in multiple different scenes in the sense of probably most of the people who I know would know you as a DJ, obviously, but you, the the event that you've been doing at TOF that seems to be absolutely packed every single night. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate all your comment, um, your compliments. Um, yeah, honestly, like I said, music is the love of my life. So I really can't help but be in most of the little mm. like different nooks as well. Um, but yeah, the jazz night. So th- this is called Now Hear This. And so essentially it's a jazz night that um, I've helped uh, run with my friends, um, Matt and Nico actually hosts it. He plays under Hudson Jr. slash uh, genre. And yeah, essentially it's a it's an improvised jazz night. The rule is no covers. It's strictly like, Whoa. you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's strictly improvised jazz Improvised music. vocals as well? Yeah, absolutely. Whoa, everything, yeah. Everything, yeah. Excuse me. So yeah, basically it's really heaps of fun. So it's been running for about, I think, five years now five plus years and we started on the floor at TOF outside of the smokers area and it felt like that was really gorgy because it was very inclusive but then it got a bit messy and as a host I really had to work more and be like okay who's hogging the mic yeah you know everyone's allowed to turn but like and not going to judge on someone where they're at in the artistry but it's also like okay you maybe go practice a bit more and then come back and yeah I wouldn't say these things directly, but it's like kind of, it's very much hosting and working like a lot on the floor, managing everyone in the band. Now we're on stage, which is iconic because, um, you know, it's, it's been a long time coming and it is such a busy night. Like it starts at, well, Colette is now the resident DJ. Um, she starts at nine, but the jazz night actually starts at 11 post dinner. Mm. And as soon as it's, it's, it hits 11, like everyone comes through and it gets packed. Like, yeah everyone's there for it it's really cool we've had like a bunch of like the hamilton and the harry potter crew from the theater come through uh, yeah you know um we had this um uh we had this uh what are they called um we had this gorgeous um south american artist sergio um from this yeah from a band like forget the name of the band can't quote me right now but yeah comes through um playing percussion just last tuesday 
And, you know, I only host essentially once a month, but I'll still try to go in like Mm. maybe twice a week if I can, depending on, you know, how exhausted we are from the weekend. Considering it's it's a very much, it's a, it's a 11 p.m. till 4 a.m. situation. Oh my, on a weeknight On a weeknight and everyone is committed. Like, you know. They'll, they'll stay till the end so oh my god think, yeah it's yeah. a really beautiful community um and communal space where we all come together and it's really beautiful to be able to speak jazz and and funk to each other and literally we're all just yeah making it up on the spot and i think mm. i like to remind people when i'm hosting as well because it's like it's not easy i think especially when you have to add lyrics to something it's Definitely. like okay let's yeah. just what else going on like let's create a story yeah, but it's really, it's so much fun and you have to come through. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be making it yeah, to the next well, one. I'm hosting Tuesday. So. Tuesday, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll Tuesday. add it to my iCal after Love this. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to take this time as well to actually give a quick shout out to your track on Spotify as well. Oh, Vibrations. Good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, with it was me and Louis CL. Yeah, um, we've actually, we've written quite a few, quite a bit of music. But I'm the admin queen, so I'm like, oh, my ADHD brain. We're going to get some more out soon. I've actually just got a new one mixed and about to be mastered, which I'm really mm, excited about exciting. with Lewis as well. Um, but yeah, that was a really fun one. Um, I love writing with Lewis. Like, it's very, I mean, he's so talented. He's from like Zanzibar Chanel and, and my, our old band Glamorats as well, which is so fun. Our sexy <laughs> club, club um, we'd call it funk punk bands. We need um, a cluddy timeline. Yeah. Oh my gosh, actually. <laughs> it's been a journey. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was a lot of fun to write. And um, also got on my disco tings, um, formerly known as Claudia Jones, um, called Drama Free Zone, which mm. I don't know if you've heard, but you have to check that out. Yeah, like yeah, you have to link stuff. me. Um, and yeah, so so many more exciting projects coming up, but recently kind of wrote like a UK kind of grungy track at it like genre is so hard to explain mm, these days yeah. or, you know it's slowly just mixed. like blurring at the scenes exactly it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's whatever you want it to be but um had a lot of fun making that with um who I was just speaking about before Hudson Jr um and my friend Astra um from Misk like Minimal Fats oh, yeah. um so we created this song in isolation and just got another friend um that was her name, um, artist name, Night, Night Hawk or something. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, got them to do some sound design because essentially Hudson Jr.'s um, computer did a classic thing and broke and we lost, we didn't lose the, the, the stems, but we lost mm. this a bunch of the sounds. So we got, uh. we got like one of our friends to do a bit of sound design, which is cute. So yeah, I might like, when you ask me to bring some songs, I might even play that one and it's it's oh, very sure. much still yeah. it's a second draft so it's when it comes out it's not gonna sound the way it does at all um but yeah it's it's pretty fun well that's actually perfect yeah because if you want to play it i'm definitely keen because okay, i don't well. know actually what will happen when we play music on here with the rights but i was like i'll just upload it and see what happens i'm sure it will be fun oh, like absolutely. if it's you know if it's original but i'm also like i'll just play the other one and if they take it down i just take it off yeah, yeah. absolutely i'll give you a few options oh yeah thank you yeah. um so yeah for someone who's so deeply enmeshed in the melbourne cultural scene i guess We've talked a lot about all the joy in it. What do you, I guess, love the most about the scene? Mm. Honestly, I think post 2020, it's been the way that 
community comes together and and really listens and tries to we try to like hold each other accountable in a way and which then in turn creates safety and transformation so i think it's been really beautiful to see um ultimately a lot more again black pock in queer um artists slash just people in the scene who are coming together to help create these beautiful safe spaces um, for us all to thrive and be ourselves um, unapologetically. So that's definitely a highlight. Um, and as well as, you know, there's so many incredible original um, artists as well. You know, there's actually so much incredible music coming out of Nam, And I think the world, the rest of the world is really only starting to to acknowledge that, you know, mm. we've had Giles Peterson and, and stuff in the last few years. But yeah, it's, it's only, um, I mean, better late than never, but they're only just kind of recognizing that we are an, a very much like one of a, re- a renowned like musical city. So definitely, yeah, I think it's, it's so incredible, you know, um, that we have so many places where we can um, basically express ourselves and obviously not all safe spaces, but the fact that we have the options to play in so many bars and clubs and all these things like, yeah, we're very, very um, lucky here in in Nam to have that opportunity. And even speaking with some friends who um, DJ in London, you know, they they get paid like nothing to play at a bar, and mm. it's not sustainable. Like we can basically work for a living here, but over there, it's like, you know, it's just it's, not able. It's not, yeah. it's not possible. Yeah. So look, here's to I'm um, hoping that that uh, Arts Australia keep funding more of us so that we can keep doing what we love and have financial security as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People outside Nam get here. Yeah. Seriously. It's can I ask happening. you, what's your favorite um, part of like community? And, in yeah. Melbourne? The community and club yeah. scene in Melbourne. Well, yeah, I think for me, it's really interesting because for me moving to Melbourne mm. in 2018, that was really when my life started to open up. You yeah. know, I am from the central coast. I did my undergraduate in Canberra, which oh, is wow. very like it was an, it was an amazing experience as well, but it was also just like such a hub of privilege and like going there in college. And it's just like very mm. homogenous, the experience moving here in Melbourne. I, one of the most significant things I remember was like, I, didn't even feel comfortable wearing a singlet like i you know oh, yeah, that is like the level mean, of development that i yeah in, oh, you know I, I came here and i was like oh can i wear a, i can't wear a singlet like that's gay like and i and i am gay you know <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah but um for me i think growing up just in the place where i was it was very almost like a puberty blues vibe and i mm-hmm. for me it's a continual journey to actually just be my truest self and oh, be my beautiful. proudest self. Yeah. Just even with like, you know, selecting music and stuff like that. Like yeah. I, more and more I realize I don't need to worry. Like it's a, no, it's a, yeah. absolutely. Like I think for the most part, especially if we're looking from a performer's perspective, everyone wants you to do well. No one wants you to like fail. And I think that's something we need to remind ourselves when intrusive thoughts start to come through, um, that everyone is actually like, is clapping for us, you know? Mm. And it's not to say there, of course, there is always going to be a few haters, but for the most part, everyone wants us to do well. And so, yeah, I think it's so important to keep that in our mentality. And, and, you know, when we're having that moment, if we're performing and we're like, Oh, is this a shit mix? It's like, no, it was the best I could do in this moment. You know, imperfect is perfect. It's like unlearning perfectionism and just acknowledging that it is also live and, you know, it's all part of the experience as well. You know, and I love seeing like some DJs, like for example, um, 
my friend Iba Tonye, like um, she's incredible. Apparently she's moving down to Nam as well, blessed from um, been living in um, Eora, Sydney. But she basically like, I love seeing people mix differently. So she like basically does a live mix Mm. and it's a very vinyl style. Like you can, you can hear her mix in and it's like incredible. It's like, cool. We're live. We're here. You know, whereas I know other artists, like more, one of, one of my Virgo friends, um, actually my, my out to my, um, sibling-in-law Tanika, um, you know, she's such a Virgo and it's like, like, it'll be like a perfection mix in your actual mm. headphones before you're actually going to go live. Do you yeah, know what I mean? And there's yeah. different ways of doing it. There's no right way or wrong way because we're all individuals and we're all different artists, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think also that like, you know, it's that desire to encourage and uplift and learn mm-hmm. as well, which is so significant here, especially Absolutely. for me. Cause I'm someone who, you know, academic background, not mm-hmm. a creative, much more of an analyst, but even mm-hmm. just doing this show, like I've been so happy just like, all the people like pushing me forward to do it. And it was yeah. scary, but now I'm like, and it's, you know, it's just a passion project. It's all I'm doing, no, but, it's, it's, but it's not just a passion project. Like it is a passion project. I think we've got to unlearn saying just as well in front of a lot of things. Cause it's exciting. It's, mm. you know, it'd be, it's so great to have an archive and be able to listen back. And yeah, I think it's incredible that you're, you're doing this. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so happy to have you here as oh, well. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. yeah, and I think I also wanted to talk about, where, I guess when you were saying before, just all the people in Melbourne who are creating amazing music, mm-hmm. not just limited to music at all, but performance or anything, if you had any people who you think were you just wanted to shout out as like ones to watch or people who are killing it at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wish I came with a list, but let's go from the top of my head. Um, Strange Attractions, that's Rita and mm. Yang. Um, yeah, Tanika, Colette. Um Samia. So these are like mostly DJs mixed with a few live. Um, my gorgeous friend who used to be in Glamorats with Envy. Um, who else? Let me think. Um, I've mostly got like DJs in my brain right now, but I'm also trying to make sure I think about live music. Um, Don Gordon, Jazz Cat, um, Emma Vollard. Um, who else? Yeah, there's so many incredible black artists coming through. Um, Yusuf, who I sometimes work with on keys, is incredible. Um, works, plays quite a bit with um, a bit of the Izzy crew. There's another crew, Izzy Cats. Yeah, there's just like, there's so many um, iconic people. Um, yeah, I'll, that, I'll just start with that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> there's cool. so many I'm, good. Good. I'm going through my homework. brain. Yeah. yeah. No, I'll, I'll put that on a list when I do the media release. It'll be yeah. good to have that and then people can check it out. Um, awesome. Yeah. I oh, of course, I can't forget my other sibling, Darcy Justice as well. Oh, yeah. Who's going to be closing Meredith on oh, the 30th. Are you going? Absolutely. Same. I'm too. a backup dancer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Iconic. Okay, yeah. I cannot wait. I'll see you on Bandcamp. Yeah, see you, see you on the stage. <laughs> Um, and so my final question for you mm. is, what are you up to this weekend? Mm. Great question. Um, look, honestly, I'm trying to keep it a bit more low key. Um, so I'm just playing a local bar, Theodore's in Brunswick tonight. Might pop into Miscellanea because DJ um, Pleed is playing um, a, um, a so-called Australian artist, but who's living in Berlin. Um, really cool kind of like techno music so i'm like might pop into that um tomorrow i am going to my um sister-in-law tanika her family has just opened up a second 
a cafe restaurant. Ah. So it's called Oko Cafe. Um, oh, I've heard cafe. of Oko. Yeah, Oko Rooftop Cafe. Is, so it's on Rose Street. Is he Mauritian, the guy who is running that? Um, so it's actually, um, it's Tanika's sibling Seb is one of the people who is um, essentially running it. Yes. Tanika's mum, who's Italian. So I'm not exactly sure actually what their what their background in Africa is, but it's a mixture of African and um, Mediterranean. Just like, cause, yeah, their first yeah. shop is called Oko and then this is the second one called Oko um, Cafe Rooftop. Cool. Really gorgeous. So I'm going to... Need more rooftop gonna, cafes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's all queer run um, yeah. is this, as well. I think I might have read an article mostly, about this, about really thems. looking after their hospitality yeah. workers. Yeah. yeah. They've got a whole mental health plan and it's all like... They basically don't allow anyone to work um, after five days. Like mm. they've got strict like rules in place, which is what essentially should be illegal. But you know, capitalism. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna go support them tomorrow. It's their opening because they've just been doing takeaway coffees for the market. So yeah, I'm gonna go check that out. I'll have to. Um, I'll check it out as well. Yeah, I'll give yeah. you the um, the addy. Yeah, so that's for some Rose Street. So I'm going to suss that. And then I am hosting a nightfall at White Heart Bar in the city. Oh, yeah. And so um, I've got um, Mother Funk, myself, and also um, Bella, gorgeous black non-binary babe who plays under... Oh, Bella Kasimba. Yeah, Kasimba. Yeah, they're a friend of mine as well. Amazing. Yeah, Yeah. they're so beautiful. So um, definitely, like, yeah, one thing I... I love doing and supporting the like black and and queer, um, you know, folk, especially when it's like, it can be intimidating coming into the scene being like, ah, where I'm not a gatekeeper. One thing I want to say I'm really proud of, I'm really proud that, um, of basically essentially utilizing my platform and my resources to give back to community. Cause Mm. I think that's really important, you know, um, especially, I'm not one of the older cats who was like, I've worked hard. You have to work hard to get here. It's like, no, things have changed. Let's move from a scarcity mindset into a mindset of abundance Mm. because there is actually enough room for all of us artists. And I think that that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. 